This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Be ready. I'm ready. Oh, I didn't ask you. <laughs> F*** you. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Oh, you son of a bitch. I hate you so much. Every week you do that. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the podcast. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Whole Radio. Okay, so before we get going with the show, uh, the main little discussion we're going to have is uh, well, it's relating to this little conundrum. So Bakary Sacco was put, put a left back during yesterday's game. So when have the panel ever been put in an awkward position? And as always, I'll start with something fairly low-key and lame and hope that Nick embarrasses himself in a huge way. <laughs> um, so in terms of really awkward moments, I'd say probably the strongest I'm going to admit to on air is, uh, you know, the, the standard reply all stuff at work uh, to, a, to an email. A guy whose surname was right. He, I just really hated the guy, to be honest with you. He just... It was just a really sarcastic, boring person. And that's coming from quite a sarcastic, boring person. And uh, so he sent an email out to the entire company, just, um, just basically ordering people about, telling them what to do. So I sent a really sarcastic version of it back. It was supposed to just go to my mate. So I've sort of done things like edited Nate, his Nate surname from right to wrong. Just generally mocked all of his mannerisms and all that sort of stuff. And then as soon as I hit send, I heard lots of murmuring around the office and, um, yeah, suddenly realised what I'd done. So that was pretty embarrassing. Uh, I've got some worse stuff, but nothing whatsoever. I'm definitely going to tell you lot on air. Um, who's up next? Me. <laughs> OK, so um, you, your mum listens. So just saying. <laughs> well, yeah. It's kind of similar to yours, actually, Hambo, but it was more that my manager was pretty much, like, sending me to the end of my tether that day, and I ranted in an email calling him a and decided to send it to him instead of the person that I wanted to send it to. Um, Fortunately, I managed to recall the message in time before he saw it, but... Yeah, there was a, a, a good five minutes of hot sweats and flushes um, before I uh, managed to retrieve it. 
I remember a, a situation quite recently where you received a text that someone had actually done that in a similar vein to you. I probably can't say the names on air. But do you remember that? Someone, there was a falling out with someone. You received a text, didn't you? Yes. And he said about you to to someone else. (laughs) I'd totally forgotten about that. Good (laughs) times. Uh, Who else we got? Well, Nick, come on, lower the tone. Why is it always that I have to come in with the, maybe the not not too clever ones, the the rude ones, the ones nearer the mark? Anyway, this one is called, we're going to label it, the horse and the mini. Okay, or the mini and the horse. I don't mind which one it is. Many, many years ago, okay, when I was a lad, okay, we went, uh, I was going out with this young bird and uh, we decided to go. Oh, we both lived at home with our parents. So we didn't get an awful lot of time to be on our own together, if you know what I mean. So we went, for this, so we, we, went, we went for this long drive into the countryside and decided to pull up in this lay-by. Now, she owned this tiny little old-style mini. Okay, it was a hot summer's day. Okay, it was a really hot summer's day. So there we are in this lay by, and you you've all got your own imaginations. You imagine what's going on in a tiny little mini where there is so little room for to do anything in this little mini that we have both the windows open and the drivers and the passenger side. She's got one leg on one window and one leg on the other window. Okay, and now I'll leave the rest to you. Okay, but all of a sudden, you know, when our minds were completely in a different place. All we, all I could hear was, <laughs> and what that was, this horse that was in the field adjacent to the lay-by had stuck its head in the door and sniffing around my ass. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second, the horse was dogging. <laughs> <laughs> the horse was dogging. Very good. Uh, I'm proud of that joke. <laughs> that one's for you, Gusset. Anyway, uh, the final bits of our introduction before we get on with the the pain and anguish of actually reviewing the match is a little section we'll call reverse words so guys reverse words i and then you will all be played a clip by mikey it will be the same phrase uh, recorded in reverse we will attempt to mimic the sounds of this phrase in reverse and then later on in the outro, it'll be played the right way round, and we'll see who got the closest to the correct phrase. Mikey, I am poised and ready. It's lost it, Samuel. I'm going to have to hear that again. It's lost it, Samuel. It's Grob Skip Samuel. Guys, who's next? Can we hear it again, please? It's lost it, Samuel. He's lost it, Daniel. <laughs> so sorry. Uh, Nick, you go next one. That was, that was me. Yeah, I know, but I spoke over it, so it's not going to work, is it? Is <laughs> 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 Love people doing it in a stupid voice. Uh, Luce, you next. Can I hear it once more, please? It's Lobs Yip Samuel. It's Lobs Yip Samuel. And finally, Tim, I don't know what you've got him, yourself in for, mate. Yeah, can you just play it again for me so it's uh, in my head? <laughs> it's Lobs Yip Samuel. It's not Skip Samuel. <laughs> it's not Skip Samuel. That is who's, exactly what it sounds like. Who's Samuel? I don't know. And by, and by the way, cheeky that was my normal voice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, enjoy the show. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Hello and welcome to Homestar Radio. 
I am Chris Hambling, and tonight I'm your host once more as we look back on Palace's most recent match. This time out, we're reviewing the fallout from another defeat, with Manchester City leaving Salas Park the victors by a score of two goals to one. Palace were deserving of a point, few would argue, but once again it was defensive lapses that cost the Eagles in the end. The panel will be discussing tactics, performances and key match events. If you want your say, get in touch with the show today. Visit hlradio.net forward slash contact for all the ways to get in touch. Uh, include Twitter at HOL Radio, and you can go to the chat room where I think Nick will be. That's HOLradio.net forward slash chat. We'll be back after this message. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. So before we go any further, um, obviously got to give some uh, some attention to the fact that this is the first show I've done since the terrible events. Um with the tram crash uh, in Croydon, of course. Uh, obviously, thoughts go out to the families and friends of all seven uh, victims there, and obviously all those injured as well, uh, which was a, which was a horrible number. And it is very hard to hear when it when you talk about the fact that there were there were two massive Palace fans uh, in in that list of victims: Dane Chinnery, and of course Phil Siri as well, lifelong Palace fans. Uh, as a fitting tribute before the game of a minute's silence. Um, and the minutes applause in both the 19th minute and the 57th minute, and it was um, great that both sets of fans observed that in such a such a great way. Uh, obviously, our heartfelt sympathy with with all those affected. And you know, personally, it's um, it's, it's a difficult thing to to sort of deal with on on the day. You know, I didn't even know whether or not we should be using the you know our social media accounts and all that to say anything because it just feels like you know, obviously, obviously, we're going to be sympathetic and. You know, when you start seeing, you know, I was, Dane, I think, was the first one who, who got mentioned in the press. And, you know, as soon as I saw the picture, I'm like, I oh, know, I've, I've seen the guy, you know. We've got mutual friends. You know, I don't think I ever spoke to him directly, but I've seen him at games. And then, you know, Phil's picture pops up. And I think, you know, I've, I've definitely seen that guy at games as well. It's a it's a truly horrible thing to happen. So, you know, I, I wanted to make sure we, we start the show by acknowledging that. And, um if anyone else wants to say anything, by all means do. Otherwise, I'll, I'll leave it there. I was just going to say, I thought how beautifully observed the minute silence was. Like, you could literally hear a pin drop. I mean, I know there was a little bit of noise from outside, but you, you kind of expect, expect that anyway because they're not in there. But, like, there's there was a video that uh, I think Sky News um, posted and it's done the rounds on social media and things like that. And... It was just, it was amazing. And to be part of that, I mean, I, I know it hasn't affected us directly, but as a club, it has affected us. As a community, it's affected Croydon. And we've all come together so beautifully and so poignantly that it, you know, it it, it just affected all of us. And I thought when I was walking down the Homesdale to meet people pre-match I thought how sombre the mood was and I think that was quite fitting even though you know we were there for the football as well it it was just it was the tribute was fantastic including the display that the um, fanatics did yeah that was it was very touching you know and the club handled it brilliantly as did the fans sorry Nick go 
Yeah, I was just going to say that I had the pleasure because I had some spare season tickets to share some of these season tickets with the uh, with Dane's family, and I had the pleasure of meeting. He had friends and family. There was, I think, something like twenty five or thirty of them. We met at the bottom of the Crystal Steps before the game, and we all walked up to the ground together in unison. Um, and obviously, they then came down onto the pitch ahead of the minute silence. I think the club needs to be congratulated as well because I think they they also handled the situation really really well yeah obviously yeah that's that's great to hear Nick it's just it was you know it does put things in perspective as well you know you kind of think you know we haven't really got any problems you know because no one expects to sort of get up get on a tram and go to work and, and not make it to work you know not make it back home and not make it to the next palace game however much they're losing you know it's a it's a real tragedy it, it really is and you know hopefully time will heal and, and all those kind of things so yeah i'll just yeah i'll leave it there but obviously like i say just to repeat the the, the fact that everyone on on whole radio and i'm sure everyone around the world has genuine sort of sympathy and, and and been affected by this this real tragedy um you've heard from some of them already so let me introduce the panel today we've got uh, lucy white good evening good evening we have mr nick philpop Good evening, everybody. Come and join me in the chat room on wholeradio.net forward slash chat. Oh, look at you getting all professional now, eh? <laughs> <laughs> uh, live from New York, it's Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon, everybody. Good afternoon, Patrick. Do you, I gave you a bit of a jazzy USA introduction. Are you happy with that? I'm conflicted because you know I was born in England, right, Chris? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I know this. I just lived here for like 30 years. But it's okay. I, I have bonded with the Americans, as it were. <laughs> You say semi instead of semi. We've established I've said, said a lot of things that shouldn't be said. <laughs> no, Indeed you do. And um, fresh from the sort of the training ground that is the preview show hosted by that lovable ginger ruffian, Terence <laughs> Ford, we have Mr. Tim Warren. Good evening. Good evening, Tim. Uh, welcome. You've had, um, had something of a, a crash course in the pre-show uh, as to what it's really like on the show. How would you compare it to your experience on a preview show? Oh, both been excellent so far. You know, no grumbles. You don't have to say that to a Terence. <laughs> he's, he's an idiot. I don't mean that. Terence is amazing. I, I love Terence. Too much. No, you've all been anyway. looking after me. You've all been looking after me very well, so thank Good you. Stuff. Can't wait to hear some of your opinions. And as I said, if you've got your opinions at home, do get in touch with the show today. HOLradio.net uh, forward slash contact. Uh, I'm going to start. We've got a fair few number of talking points, really. Um, there's some general points from... Uh, the listeners about Pardew. You know, I'm, I'm conflicted. In last week, we we spent the majority of the show talking about does Pardew stay or go, and I'm I don't really want to be doing that throughout the course of this show. I want to look at the game in a bit more detail because it, I think it's a game that perhaps gave a bit of hope um, to to some people who had lost hope in terms of Pardew reacting and turning around um, to go to social media and to talk to a, <laughs> talk to a few of the few of the panel today really um, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a popular opinion as such but just something I feel um, so and to, to give it a little bit of balance you know a lot I think a lot of people feel that um, the Pardew's time is up kind of thing we've had a couple of these messages come in uh, so Somerset Eagle got in touch saying instead of trying to get so trying to get rid of yet another manager why are we in this position in the first place? It's because players are making silly mistakes that at this level get punished. As we proved yesterday, we can mix it with anyone and score against the best. But if we make mistakes, it's not the manager's fault. Yes, we have our best squad ever, but it's the players making mistakes, 
not pards. Let's get behind the club and get the season started at Swansea next Saturday. We have one of the best set of fans in the country and I'll be there next Saturday cheering the boys on. So that, I would say, is probably quite endemic of, of the type of positivity message that we get. We're getting and I'm seeing on the, on the message boards. And I want to kind of address a couple of points on that, get some comments on the guys before we get into the, the, the match chat. Because I totally get the idea that, that to, to take the extreme of that view, some people are suggesting that questioning the manager is somehow not being supportive. Now, I'm questioning the manager, and I, and I genuinely feel at this point in time that I don't think he can actually turn it around. But, you know, like uh, Mark Vincent got in touch earlier on and said that he wants it badly to work for Pardew and uh, hope that this was, this, hoping that this was going to be the management that was uh, going to make us strong in the Premier League. Uh, but he feels it's not working. And that's where I've got to in the fact that I just think it's too far back. Now... That doesn't mean that I didn't go to the game yesterday, sing my heart out for the lads and be positive. I didn't boo anyone. I didn't even, you know, even when I've, I felt the substitutions might have been a bit confusing, I didn't boo that or, you know what I mean? I was there supporting the team. Um, and I think people need to realise the difference between something said on Twitter and, some, and, and how you go and support the team at the game. Being supportive on social media isn't, isn't affecting anything. You know, it's paying lip service to to a, you know, we we start arguing about how how much can you measure um, before it becomes a relevant stat. So you've got people saying, well, in 2016, we've won five games, and then the counter argument seems to be, yeah, but if you go back further than that, he's won. It's like, well, hold on a second, you know, why why are we suddenly not talking about the most recent run of form? You can you can ignore last season if you like, and it's still a terrible run of form. And it still basically falls at the feet of the manager to turn that around. Now, if you want to talk about performances and you want to talk about positivity, then you only have to look at the game against City and say, yeah, it was actually a decent performance. We were as deserving of, of anything from the game as they were. We matched them pretty much the whole way through. And but for two very, very stupid mistakes, well, a combination of mistakes, certainly for the first goal, you know, we would have got something out of that game. So there is plenty to be positive about if you look at a game in isolation. But we're not looking at a game in isolation. We're looking at a run where, as has been said in, in those messages, we are seeing individual errors not being addressed. And and I'll talk about why I think that comes back down to the manager when we start analysing the goals. But just in a general, give you a chance to start, Tim, just as a general point in, in terms of the stuff I've been saying. You know, where, where do you sit? on that particular issue of, of, of supporting Pardew versus questioning his methods and whether he's the right man to take us forward. To be honest, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, I go to the games just like you do, and you obviously want the team to do well. Uh, you always hope it's the game that's going to be turned around um, and we get behind the team. Um, and, and I really want Pardew to succeed as, as much as any manager at Palace. But like you say, you just can't hide behind the results. Um, and and the sort of stats are sort of not good for for this calendar year. Um, you know, I know a couple of Newcastle fans, and they tell me that you know this is typical kind of Pardew um, in terms of you know the, the the streak of games where you you win win a few and then you you go on that losing run. But you know, I hope I really do hope it gets turned around for the next game and um, and we go on that good run again. But you know, I don't think you can hide behind the fact that that the results haven't been good enough. Absolutely. No, that, and that's what it comes down to. 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely come back to that point in a bit, the sort of the results versus performances, because that's something I really want to talk about a little bit later on. I'll just f- flicking through some of the Twitter interaction we've got. I've noticed James Morrow got in touch about an hour ago before the show started, suggesting we crowdfund a defensive coach. Quite like the idea of that. Cheers, James. That's a, that's a good one. But John Nightingale uh, got in touch as well. He says, bottom line, Pardew says clean sheets aren't important. Discuss. Well, we talked about it last week, and I said I really wanted to see us approach this game with, with the attitude of, We've got to keep a clean sheet first and foremost. And I think to some degree, I was really happy um, until we made the error for the goal because I felt we were doing that. I felt that the team was set up in a, in a way that we first looked to negate the, the stronger opponent, but also wanted to give ourselves a platform to attack. But uh, again, that's just to sort of talk about John's point. But going back to the, the sort of main point, Patrick, I know... From, from reading a lot of the stuff you said, you seem you seem pretty resigned to to you know you've lost all your confidence in in the manager. Yeah, I have. It's it's just hard for me now to watch the games with any kind of real hope. When I, when we came up to the Premier League with with Holloway, I knew where we were. We were a newly promoted team. You know, we didn't have time to really buy players. We didn't have money. Obviously, we had the you know promotion money. We didn't really have money, so I I was resigned that year. We didn't do well, fine, and obviously, it didn't work out. You know, the manager walks and we got a new manager in. You know, Pulis had a certain style, which I didn't love, but, you know, we got the results. So, you know, there was a time when we play, a, you know, a, a top side. And, you know, you knew that, you know, with a bit of luck, you know, an own goal by John Terry, we beat Chelsea. You know, we, we do things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, under Warnock, you know, it wasn't, it, it it got ugly pretty quickly. But he was in he was in there and after a manager left us a week before the season or two days before the season ended. So, you know, Warnock was a, was a short-term thing. He knew it. We knew it. Well, I knew it. The ownership knew it. And we did pull up a couple of good results, including, you know, Liverpool win being, you know, the biggest one. Yeah. Pardew comes in. Sorry, Pardew. I, like, I keep saying his name wrong, apparently. Comes in. <laughs> and, um, right, Nick? And, um, you know, we, we're, we're, we're doing really poorly. He does a great job of getting us back, you know, getting us out of relegations and we end up finishing 10th. But since that time, I've been very concerned about, you know, our style of play for one. Went from a, you know, a counter-attack team, which I loved with Balassi and Zaha and punching etc to try a new a new style i get the new style you know at points it looks good last year we struggled for goals like crazy this year we score almost every match but we not we are not winning and his attitude towards the defensive part of the game is driving me crazy i knew we could lose that game yesterday i knew we could be fine some way i don't know if it's gonna be an own goal something stupid but i just didn't have any faith we keep that point and i can't keep going to watching games chris and having that feeling i don't know when that's going to change i don't have any confidence in him i don't know what it is it just seems to me pre-match Post-match, I hear the same things. We, we don't get upset piece goals. Really? Really, we don't? Has he been watching the same games we've been watching? I see set piece goals scored every single match and the same type of goals. You know, it's just frustrating. And I want, and I'm, I've been a fantastic, you know, early 70s. So I've been, I've been through the ringer. I've seen it. I'm not looking for great things. I get it, how it is to be a Palace supporter. But we're in a position we've never been before ever. We've got the money. We've got the infrastructure. We've got, you know, the players, and we're just not pushing on. I don't want to finish 17th. I want to finish in the, you know, 7th to, f- to 13th and do something what we haven't done in the past, win something. And we, and it's there for us to do. But this manager is just not, it's, it's just, I just don't feel it's, it's, he's the right man right now. I just don't feel it. Well, some strong words from Patrick there and, and, and justified as well in, in you know, you, you, you've given reasons why you feel what you feel. Uh, you mentioned in there the, uh, the change in style. Nick, how much do you think we could attribute to changing to the change in style because you know ultimately that's where where Pardew's hanging his hat isn't it I mean somebody actually mentioned it in the uh chat a minute ago uh Pard said it would be four weeks 
uh, for transition to happen. Well, it's been three months now, and that was put on there by Coach Matt. Um, I wanted to see the change in style, okay? Having watched so much Palace over the years, I'm bored of long ball punt, okay? I want to play a good attacking but a defensive style of football. And in, let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Uh, I think your point you made earlier, Chris, with reference to how the game started, I was encouraged. It was We didn't play badly at all. Yeah, OK, three out the back four, I think had a much better game yesterday. I know Lucy's keen to discuss the fourth member of it, OK, later on. But it's, it, it's a very strange time. I mean, I, I honestly feel that we got one thing left, okay, and it's Swansea away, uh, Swansea away. If we don't see the same performances yesterday, coupled with a decent result, and we've got to get a result of Swansea, it's time, okay. And I'm I'm actually in the party camp, but I'm consigned to the fact that uh, Swansea or bust, as somebody else said in the chat room earlier. Yeah. Um, Luce, obviously, I, I want to hear your views on, on Pardew, what, what you think, where you think we are, but also... Take us into into this game and and and, and how you felt the, the the setup and how you felt we actually performed in this game. So first of all, you know, is is your mind made up on Pardew? No, no. Um, my opinion on Pardew is as confusing as his um, lineup choices. <laughs> <laughs> um, one minute I'm like, right, we've got to give him a chance, you know, and, and I know he has had plenty of chances, but. You know, he's obviously trying to um, to get to a point where he has found the perfect formation I and mean, he has found a perfect setup. And But then, you know, five wins in, what is it now, 33, 34 games? It's just not good enough. And if it had been anybody else, you know, it's the same old thing. If it had anybody else, he would have gone. And But there's obviously a backing from the board and we as fans can't do anything about that. We we can all, you know, rant on Twitter and Facebook and whatever and, you know, shout about it in the pubs after the game. But at the end of the day, it's out of our control. And we've just got to sort of patiently wait till either he gets the results that we want or he goes. And so, yeah. so, that, so, that's, all, that's all we can do. And we've just got we've just got to support the team we don't necessarily have to support Pardew but whatever team he puts on that pitch on you know against Swansea against City against whoever is whoever we're playing we have all got to support that team regardless yeah. of what we think of behind the scenes well you'll know as, as, as well as anyone the atmosphere of the, the games it's not like it's gone poisonous and people are, are chanting for Pardew to be out all the time or anything like that you get maybe a little pocket of it here and there and then you look at the way we played yesterday and you've got a you know I, I have to say you know I'm, I'm gonna this is gonna be my theme probably for the show there were a lot of positives yesterday in, in how well. we approached it so does that give you hope yeah I mean we went into this game we all thought, you know, this was going to be at least, you know, four, five, five nil beating. I mean, I think Gusset even said on fan TV, he thought it was going to be a seven two defeat. Now, we all kind of thought that it was going to be um, an absolute pasting. But I left that game. Yes, it was frust- it was frustrating. It was disappointing. There were things that went against us that were the players' faults that were potentially Pardew's fault that were the officials' faults. It, it could have it could have been a very different game had you know Benteke's chance at the 40, 54th minute gone in or whatever. It, but 
it was a real positive game in the end. That you have to, t- you you need to forget about all the bullshit of what you think of Pardew, what you think of uh, the lineup, what you think of individual players, what you think of each individual's performance, and actually look. And we created a lot of chances at potentially um, champ- uh, championship winning side. No, that's a really good point. And that comes back to something Pardew said in the, in the press conference that I'm going to debate a bit further. So let's get into the let's get into the game itself. Um, let's start with you, Tim, if I may. The, the lineup. when I saw it, obviously, you, immediate questions, you start thinking, well, there's no sign of Ledley, injured in the end, but there was no sign of Fries. Can we assume injury there, perhaps? But in terms of the lineup, you know, we know Kelly's been struggling, but would you have really picked anything different there? To be honest, it was it was kind of the lineup I expected Pardew to play. Um, I was kind of hoping he might mix it up a little bit, um, just change something because it just hasn't been really working defensively in recent weeks. But you kind of knew for a game like that, it was going to be, I suppose, a safe option um, with that back four. Um, there's probably an argument that Delaney could have came in, um, and potentially I wonder if Tompkins can go as right back. But you know, I wasn't overly surprised by that sort of back lineup. To be honest. Yeah. No. Again, I, I had the same sort, of the same, same general feeling, Patrick. Yeah. No. The lineup was fine. Um. You know, we put out who we could put out. But one of the things I, I keep, I keep thinking about, Chris, is that we're really struggling at, at fullback, and it's really, a, it's a, it's a real shame that our academy could not produce any young player that could have filled in at some point during this really poor run, even if he got on the bench, because you look at our past the fullbacks, you know, like Klein is doing really well, Liverpool, you know, etc. We don't have any of those players coming through. And what I'm looking for is a ray of hope. I'm looking for something on that pitch to really uh, root for. I understand the performances. You were right, Lucy mentioned performances. But performances had to, turn, had to turn to points at some point, and they're not. And that's what frustrates me. I understand performances have been better of late, and it definitely was better yesterday. But if we don't get the points that we need. It's not going to be, you know, to me, it's not as important. Yeah, no, and I agree with that. When, you, when you're seeing that... The... You know, Sacco comes off the bench to play left back. Right, you're, exactly. You're, you're thinking to yourself, well, great, okay, he's getting a couple of minutes on the pitch or whatever. You know, he's been out for a while, but come on, it's got to be, <laughs> exactly, got to be a left Somebody. back. In uh, you know, well, I think Jason Akiotu, um, you know, he's he must be what eighteen by now, right, I guess. Right. Um, nearly left us to go. I can't remember. I think it was to go to Leicester, but managed to hold on to him. Yeah, you know, he's played. He's played under 23s. He's got to be at least a spot on the bench because exactly. because we're struggling exactly. there. You know, maybe you don't chuck him. In. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's not up to it. But with Kelly struggling like he is, you think, you know, he's got to. We've got to have something. I'm totally totally on board with that. It, it seems odd that we've got nothing there. Uh, sorry, Luce, you want to talk a little bit about about the hope that you know that, that the game gave you? Yeah, just just picking up on what Patrick said about wanting to see that little bit of hope on the pitch. And I think it was there yesterday. You've got to look at the change in Kabai. I thought Kabai was fantastic. He was absolutely everywhere yesterday. Yep. You've got to look at how, how good Connor Wickham was. He was so hungry. To I mean, he, he blew Benteke out of the water um, yesterday. And I think those sort of like little glimmers of hope are the things that are going to see us through um, next week and then hopefully to Christmas to get the points where we need to get them. Yeah, yeah, I see that. And, and on, on a, the subject of um, of hope, or maybe the lack of it, we had a few tweets in on, on the managerial situation, or whether or not uh, we've, we've asked on Twitter essentially, 
does um, you know what, what can Pardew do really? Uh, Jake's got in touch and said nothing. He seems convinced that sticking with his plan will work, and he won't try to alter anything, make a change. Um, Andrew Martinuk has got in touch and said that uh, the problem is the team, staff, and fans all lack belief now. The atmosphere makes wins and points tough to come by, and it is. We 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 might not be turning on the manager, but we're certainly a lot quieter uh, these days than we were. Um, Eagles sixty seven sixty four got in touch saying any style of football requires a solid defence. We don't have one. I expect us to concede every game. And, of course, we are conceding every game. Um, but I suppose uh, Darkest Jungle's got in touch saying, you know, we've had a bad rub of the green. Playing good and luck will change as the team is good. And that's, you know, that's... I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying that I feel our luck will change because it just seems like a very, very long time that it hasn't. But, you know, that that's the thing we've been talking about, about the hope in that we're not going out. And I think it was John Cross of the Mirror was saying it on BBC. Um, I saw a clip of that on Twitter saying, um, you know, we're talking about not being relegated and all that kind of stuff. And and, it, and he felt that quite simply that's that's the case for us because we're not out of the game in any of these matches. When we played Liverpool, we were in that game. When we played Man City, we were in that game. But the only thing that sticks with me on that is you could say that about so many games now. You know, when you can say that about, let's say, 25 of those 34, where you could say we were in that game and perhaps a little bit unlucky, you have to then admit that it's more than bad luck. Uh, Nick? Yeah, just going back on Lucy's point about hope, really, let's doff our caps, really, to some more positives. I think Kabai, MacArthur and Punching yesterday had an outstanding game, really. They were pushing high on the Man City defence. Zaha has carried on doing what he was been doing. And like I said earlier, the, I don't think Hennessy had a bad game, particularly he wasn't a fault for either of the goals. Uh, and uh, Townsend, I know that we're going to come on to later, and uh, the, the defence we're going to come on to later. So I think we had some very good positives come out yesterday. Well, we, we we definitely did, and, and we will be, you know, about later we'll be talking about those any second now. We're going to quickly divert and talk about, there's a number of stats we could have picked from, from yesterday's game, but um, the stat we've picked is more of a general one, and, and it kind of, it really does inform on the discussion that we're having. Um, we have the worst points per game of all 92 league clubs in 2016. We have also, love a little stat. We have no clean sheet in 12 games in all competitions. Uh, and if you think it says 17 league games, bracket April. So is that April since we had a clean sheet? I don't know. Don't so, know. I don't think Valencia have had one in 40 games. So, oh, there's nothing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so that's, that's the reason I want to talk about that. That's where the kind of the general let's be positive let's let's get behind the manager let's you know let's only look at the last few games we've been okay all that kind of stuff that's where it starts to fall apart because you're not you cannot be selective when you're talking about a period this long you cannot you know everyone talks about the fact that we had a we had a decent little run in the mid you know fairly recently and everyone was a bit more positive yeah because we we were a bit more positive because we'd gone i think we'd had one win in about 30 games to that point but it, it doesn't, you know, I think we all feared what was around the corner was a run of defeats. And we've had five in a row now. So, uh, Patrick. Yeah, Chris, I, I did a little research on, on, on Pardew when he was at Newcastle. When he took over in 2011-12 um, in December, they had 12 clean sheets that season. And they finished fifth in fifth place. Um, this, next year, they finished 16th. They only had six clean sheets. And then the year that he uh, left, they 10th, he had um, 
10 clean sheets. And I'm talking about clean sheets against teams like Chelsea, Man United. You know, good team. So it's not like he's in his DNA. It's not to keep clean sheets. But So why does he talk like he doesn't really care about them here? They're really frustrated because I, I know I watched Newcastle back then. They didn't have a problem keeping, you know, clean sheets and playing decent football. So why is it? And I know it's a, people are going to say the injuries, etc. But it, you go back to you can go back to last season. At some point, we had a hard time. That's why we couldn't we couldn't get points, you know, keep points in the season. So it's not like he doesn't believe in clean sheets. But all of a sudden now, it doesn't matter to him. I don't understand that. It is, it is a yeah, it is a frustration. I completely understand that, Patrick. I, I don't wish I had an answer. I wish I could, could say, <laughs> you know, um, he's just saying for the sake of it, we shouldn't pay too much attention to right. Uh, you know, I'm trying to ignore it. I'm really trying to ignore it. Yeah, yeah, right. Because I felt I felt like that during the week. Because I look I looked at the reaction on the BBS and, uh, and the Homestead to his uh, press conference before the Man oh. City game, and I genuinely felt it doesn't matter what he says. I think. <laughs> right. the, thing, the thing is, he can go. You know, we're going to go into this game positively. We're going to take it to them. Everyone will go. Oh God, here we go. We're not going to keep the clinch. <laughs> and he can go. Well, we're just going to try and keep it tight. Blah 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 blah. And then we'll, right, as soon right. as we can see people. Oh, typical Pardew. You know. <laughs> It doesn't matter what he says. And the trouble is, when you get to that point where it doesn't matter what the manager says, that he's just there for criticism no matter what, it's, right. it's very hard to read anything into anything anymore. Yeah. You know? is, he, does, does, is he going to play the, the sort of the media game? It, you know, it, can you believe anything that he says? Or is he just trying to minimise poor reaction? Does it even matter? And the bottom line is, I've always felt that press conferences don't matter. It does. It really. It's, I, used, I use Dougie as the best example for that because you could... You could have anyone go to a press conference that Dougie's give. You could say to him, I see you're standing next to a player that you're, you're about to sign. He's got a pen in his hand. He's about to sign that contract. And he'll go, never heard of him. I remember those, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah <laughs> do you know what I mean? Never, never heard of the guy. So that, that to me is the, he's an extreme, but that's how much you can really sort of care about how much is said in a press conference. Because ultimately it's, it's just there to to sort of drive interest for, for, for the media and for them to get their quotes for the week as they look to preview games. But, you know, the only thing that's... Fr- but, you know, I've fallen into... I wouldn't say it's necessarily a trap, but I, I get really wound up by how much Pardew says tactically before games. You know, he says, well, we're going to approach this one by keeping it tight. I'm going to play so-and-so right back. I'm going to... It's like, well, hold on, mate. Just keep Why something you in. That? You know? and But then... You know, and I suppose if we turned up at the game and we did something different to what he said in the press conference, I might understand it. But I think this whole thing in the press about, well, listen, we're going to try and play a, a much more possession-based game. I think, you know, when you're an opposition manager, right, we're going to go to play Palace. They're going to try and keep the ball. So put pressure on their weaker players. There you go. There's your tactic, Zawid. And, and that pans out every week. I seem to have gone off on one. Tim, help. Well, I just... It just strikes me as being very stubborn. And I think that's what I find hardest to sort of deal with in that, you know, it just doesn't sort of admit that it's kind of going wrong in the, in the defence and that, that perhaps we do need a bit of help with some kind of defensive coach or, or you know, a few more drills on the training field. Um, you know, um, we always hop back to the Pulis days, but, you know, we were set up so well then um, to defend, especially set pieces. Um, and you just think, a lot of them is the same same players there, so what you know we can't, why can't we drill it in them again, you know, and um, and sort of work from the back, and then once we're a bit more confident, the back start trying to you know expand our football a bit more. No, it's, it's a fair point, and it's, it's a, it is a point well made, particularly about the set pieces. And, uh, it's the same man who does them because under Pulis, Keith Miller did the set pieces, and under Pardew, Keith Miller does the set pieces. So quite what's changed, I'm I'm not too sure really. Uh, Loose. I think I think players need to be um, 
taught a lesson sort of sounds a bit harsh, but I think if players aren't performing, they need to be dropped. And don't keep um, putting them in the team all the time. How are they going to progress and learn if they don't get dropped? I mean, you, so we took, let's, let's take an example, Martin Kelly. He should be dropped, right? <laughs> Um, right. I'm going to, I'm going to go off on one now because I, I am, I am pretty pissed off <laughs> about Martin Kelly because everybody seems to be giving him slack. Now I know that, um, he isn't the greatest of footballers. He probably, probably not premiership quality. I mean, you know, he has made some errors, he's, but he's played for England, you know? And Liverpool. So is Wilf, so is Townsend. Look how Townsend played yesterday. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. 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 Wayne Hennessy plays number one for Wales. Yeah, so. he's right. But, no, in all seriousness, I understand what you're saying about, you know, players, you know, we can't keep playing them just because of, the, of who they are, you know, just because they might be technically our best, you know, best eleven. You know, you've got you've got to have form, but at the same time, that relies on having people in the squad who can step in and make a difference. I mean, the problems we have really are at the back, and and who do we have that can step in? That's that's really the issue, I think, that we are finding. But it's no, it's a good point, and more more as a wider point about you know players taking responsibility, having accountability for what's happening. You know, and I do see that. I do see that that argument with with you know we're we're sitting here talking about Pardew when if you actually look at the game. What can Pardew do about the fact that for the first goal, we've had four or five chances to clear the ball and haven't, you know, partly you can, you can say, okay, this new short passing possession sort of thing where we're not clearing our lines properly, that's to blame. And I think there is a bit of truth in that, but you can look at how the key, the key moment was when we broke away. We got away with it a little bit. McCarthy got dispossessed and managed to get the ball back. I think he fouled Aguero. And got away with it. Kabai stepped out, played a decent pass to Townsend. Now, if you look at the moment Townsend receives the ball uh, in the lead up to the first goal, he can turn. He can absolutely turn. But instead of looking to see if he can turn, he, he just assumes that he's, there's going to be someone right up his back and plays a terrible pass to, to Kelly. And before we get into what Kelly does, it's you know I start wondering, well, what's what's happening with Townsend that makes him do that? You know, we've seen. We've seen what a good player he is. Now, we, we've heard in the press that he doesn't want to play left side and he was playing left side. So, is he uncomfortable out there? I don't know. He's a professional footballer, so he shouldn't be. But what? So, I, I worry about his confidence and his self-belief if he can't put his foot on a, on a pass and turn around or at least have a look before he receives the ball. But he didn't, for whatever reason. He decided to play the ball back to Kelly. But then Kelly's under pressure. So, what's, what's Kelly's reaction? So, you could talk about being him, uh, him being on his wrong foot. But, but he isn't. <laughs> He's on his right foot. He, you know, his reaction to pressure from his opponent was to to fall over and sort of scoop the ball to an opponent. Now, it's easy to say in hindsight, isn't it? There's all manner of things you could do there. If you're absolutely terrified by the idea you might be tackled, um, I'm not sure how passing it to the opposition actually overcomes that problem. You might as well just lose the ball. But you can kick it into touch. You know, you can you can try and hoof it up the pitch. I don't know, but but what you don't what you don't do is what he did. But even then, we still have chances to do something about it, and and we're static. Um, and 
and that first goal was just so frustrating. Your views, Nick? All of it, everything you just said, really. I mean, all of my notes that I've done is everything you've just spoken about. And it was the it was the ball to from Kibai to Townsend. It was Townsend's atrocious ball back to Kelly, and then the scoop, the lovely scoop across our eighteen yard box uh, onto one of their players. What was he thinking? I mean, in fairness, going back to um, Lucy's point earlier, people in the chat room saying, why have we got him out there anyway? Why don't we try him at right back, okay, uh, and put Joel Ward at left back? It, that might have solved it. But going back to the goal, it was just a comedy of errors. It was just uh, – I was standing in block B yesterday, and if you had heard the language when that whole scenario developed, it was just – I think I put the word down on one of the chats earlier. It was suicidal. It was absolutely suicidal. Uh, and he's going to have to make a change. He's got to make a change for the next game. He can't play it like that next uh, with uh, Kelly um, left back. It, it's just not going to happen. Otherwise, uh, they're going to Swansea will have, Swansea will have done their homework, and they're just going to push us down that side. And, and as for the Townsend bit, and you, 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 again, you mentioned Townsend not wanting to play in that position. Well, somebody else has put in the chat room, was he sulking? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, it could be sulking, it could be uncomfortable, it could be a subconscious thing of, of I don't want to be in this position, so he's not playing his natural game, he's thinking too much. But, you know, he, he, he can't displace Wilf, you know. That's the bottom line is, you know, if, if you've got to pick between the two to play right side, Wilf plays better right side than he does left. He's good both in, in both positions, but he's had, I think, I don't know, I think I'm probably right in saying all of his all of his assists have come from the right side. And I agree with that, Chris, but if you, I don't know if you remember during the chat yesterday, I actually said, uh, I think we missed, or more importantly, the manager missed an opportunity yesterday where uh, we had somebody, it was, Wilf had an opportunity to get a Zabaleta. Zabaleta oh, yeah, already, yeah. He had already been booked, okay? We missed an opportunity there where we could have gone for Zabaleta by switching Townsend and Zaha over, okay? Got into Zabaleta, red card, waiting to happen. That could have been the, the critical moment of the game as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Uh, Lucy, you wanted to come back in? Yeah, just to pick up on um, something that Nick said, I think it was from the chat room, about um, swapping um, Kelly for the, for the right and yeah. Joel Ward. Well, for me... Joel Ward has not been up to scratch for a long time now, so he should be someone that should be benched just just for a couple of games <coughs> and just to see what happens because he has not been, well, I know they keep joking, but since, he, since he's got married, shall we say, he's, he's not been the Joel Ward that we know and love. I mean, uh, I remember the yeah, day I... when we used to chant Joel Ward for England. So um, put um, Kelly at the right, and if Pardew thinks Zeki Fryers is so wonderful because he said many times that he thinks he's great and he's obviously doing something in training why don't put why don't we put him in yeah I, I, I do wonder about that in terms of why he wasn't around yesterday but I know it's a fair point and we, look, we looked at that and obviously Ward and, and Kelly swapped for half a game uh, against Burnley you know that's, that's how we started Ward was left back Kelly was right Kelly was awful at right back as well and I, I will say this and I'll let Nick come in a sec but we will and then, then Patrick of course I will um, say this about Kelly I like Martin Kelly as a player right? I, I think that there's a good player in there but to me his confidence is shot to pieces he doesn't look like he has any belief uh, in himself anymore uh, yeah but Chris He's playing in the wrong position. No, what's his right yeah. position? We play him at right back, he's atrocious. Stick him in at centre back, he's atrocious. Stick him at left back, he's atrocious. It's gone. He's gone, I'm sorry. You know, I think he needs a move. 
I, I think he's never going to be a success at Palace. I don't. I think he had a chance to nail down a starting position some time ago, and he's never quite done it. But bottom line is, he's costing us in every game. He really is, and I don't. But it's you not know, just you, him. It's yeah, but you, you could be business. you could be sympathetic and say he's out of position, but you know we're not talking we're not talking about low standard footballers. We're talking about you know the top professionals. We're talking about Premier League, and you know we're talking about a player who who has at least an England cap, um, and he's just he's just not up to it at the moment. Patrick, no Nick first. Okay, very quickly, two quick points. Okay, uh, going back to the Kelly thing at left back, very simple: left foot, right foot. He's a right-footed player playing in the wrong position. You're quite right, Lucy. The other mm-hmm. thing that the other thing somebody said about was where was Fryers? Fryers should have been on. Hold on a minute. We discussed this on the pod on, uh, during the week, and it would have ruined even if he was fit, which we we assume he wasn't fit. If you'd have played Fryers yesterday, even though he's left-footed, and we know that's where we got the hole, it would have ruined him in one game. They would have torn him to shreds. They would have torn him a new one yesterday because he's, he's too inexperienced in that position. I don't know. I don't know. I know what you mean. Uh, Patrick? Yeah, and um, I'll add that. I don't know. The, the manager has not, no options at this point. He really doesn't. I mean, I, I, I will actually give him a break. He, you're right, Chris. He did swap Ward and Kelly. That didn't work. He tried Tompkins and Dan. That's not working. He's tried Demo and Dan. That's not working. Um, put, you can't put Kelly in the center. So he's out of options. Yeah, you could try Fries, and I agree with probably should have, but I'm with Nick. You can't put him in that game yesterday. Whether he's fit or not, they would have they ripped him. De Bruyne, Sterling would have ripped him a new one yesterday. Would have been, he would have been ruined for the rest of his career. Maybe try him on, on Saturday against Swansea, perhaps. But again, he's extremely limited. We have no yeah. youngsters. We have no, but we have literally, we have Bakary Sacco at left back yesterday. Is that what it came to? Bakary Sacco at left back? I mean, I can't even kill Pardew for that. I can't because we have no options. It's embarrassing. Tim? Just just one thing on the first goal. I mean, it was obviously, you know, it was an obvious mistake from Kelly um, initially. But if you look at the, you know, the footage, they they kind of worked the ball around there in that six-yard box um, to put the ball in the back of the net. You know, there was a number of defenders there. Not one of them got their, got their foot in. So it weren't particularly great for any of them, really. And I just right. think that kind of sums up the whole back line at the moment, that they're all low in confidence you know they're, they're all kind of feeding off each other in a negative way really yeah, spot on Tim now you, you're right I, mean, I, I mentioned the word static when I was sort of talking about it before and that's what it was you know it's no it's no great movement there it's good play you know when Torre sort of pokes the ball out wide to Nolito uh, although Seguero I think it is and then it comes back across to him and then he plays the one-two with Nolito it's you know that's good play but but we've got four people watching it happen you know, and, and Ward, to his credit, and, I, and I'm going to say this now, I actually thought Ward had a decent game yesterday. I might be wrong in that. I'm sure some people will argue with him. I thought he was all right. Um, you know, and, and, and he's had a sort of dive at the last moment to try and get there. But, you know, it's, it, is, it was too easy. That's the sort of thing you kind of have a hard time dealing with. If you think, you think a team like Man City, yeah, they might, they might have the talent to just walk through you. But when you actually watch that happen, it's, um, it, doesn't feel, it doesn't feel right. Um, anyway, we're going to have a, a, a quick a break for an for an ad and when we come back uh we'll be talking a little bit more about the the goals and uh, and various other subjects and rounded up the contact as well 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise. Every Premier League match day with FanDuel and just for Homestale radio listeners we've got an extra special offer right now when you sign up use the promo code PALACE that means if you don't make money in your first contest FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10 so go to FanDuel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now what are you waiting for? Terms apply over 18s only please play responsibly few uh tweets in that i will round up before we uh before we talk about something a bit more positive uh caulfield seven's got in touch saying get joe the caddy back on the show well tell him mate he's the one who decided to take a break from us uh, sounded bitter didn't it i was happy you know I'm, you know he's, he's got a lot going on in his life i'm sure he'll be back with us soon if we beg uh and we've also asked whether or not he should shave his loves love spuds i mean whatever you want to do mate that's that's fine. No worries there. Uh, Eagles sixty seven sixty four got in touch. Kelly's only played right back or centre back for us, Chris. Uh, I would say he's played a fair bit of right back. He did, he, but but yeah, right. He hasn't played much centre back. Probably only pre season. Uh, needs to run at right back. Drop Ward again. If I was going to drop one of those players, it would be Kelly first all day. Um, but you no, know, fair. It's your opinion. Um, I can't really read out what Brent said. That happens a lot though when Brent gets in touch. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, Dan's got a touch saying um, there's nothing Pardew can do at all his career has been a series of winning and losing streaks but they haven't lasted a year before and Andrew, Andrew Martin got in touch saying Pardew admits we lack balance playing left for uh, left back Ledley has played there before Ward left back Tompkins at right back uh, so similar to the, the stuff we're saying Joe has got in touch uh, the second word is Pardew and the first word is your traditional F-bomb Nice one, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got some stuff in the chat, Nick, before we move on? Yeah, whole radio for, whole, whole radio.net forward slash chat. Uh, we're talking left backs, okay? Kenny Sampson for Kenny right now. Uh, what's Johnny Parr up to at present? And Dean Moxie, he, could he do a job for us? Dean Moxie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, Thanks for all your ideas in the chat room, yeah, boys. Yeah, good, good suggestions, guys. It's a nice one. <laughs> Talking of suggestions, uh, I'm just going to put this out there. We had a few tweets earlier on. A lot of people, when we put a question out there, think that we're actually stating an opinion. We are genuinely just asking questions. 
it's a lot of stroppy stuff coming back saying, well, just get beyond the manager. We're saying that, you know, the results are what they are. Has Pardew had his day? If you don't feel that's the case, great. Tell us why. Uh, but a few people did get in touch and say, look, if you're going to say get rid of the manager, we're not necessarily saying that. Individually, we might be. But as a as a radio show, we're not saying that. It's not, it's not, it's not a party line, if you like. But, you know, suggest an alternative. I think we tried that before. And the closest we got was Chris Hewton to piss Brighton off. Uh, <laughs> Do it. And, but but if, if anyone... <laughs> If anyone at home genuinely has a suggestion for who they want to see as a manager, and I do say this again, doesn't just have to be a manager who's not currently in work. You know, barring the, barring the top jobs. Yeah, that got said before. Barring the top jobs, you know, we can go and get whoever we want. So who do you want? Um, I, I I just I saw a tweet. Um, uh, and I said this, even, I think I said it yesterday. Um, is it Kiki Sanchez-Flores that was at Watford? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's a, I think, believe, I think the tweet said he's a Espanol now, but he actually did all right for Watford. I mean, uh, um, uh, I was actually quite surprised when they got rid of him. Yes, yeah, same. Yeah. Um, so I think he he could be someone that could be quite good for us. Um, but then, yeah, my my number one choice is Mancini, and I've said that quite a few times. Yeah, well, it's, it's, obviously we could get him. That would be a be a huge thing, but you know I, I do feel awkward talking about it. You know, while we have a manager, I'm, I'm much more comfortable when we don't have one talking about who should replace him because, yeah, you know, deep down, I, I I still want him to turn it around. I want us to to win our next thirty games. You know, I really do, and, I, and I'd love to see the entire Acellus Park charting for Pardew. I'm sure he'd love that as well. It's, uh, you know, it isn't a nice thing to be talking about someone's job and talking about whether or not they're good enough to do it anymore. You know, none of us would like to be on the receiving end of that. It just so happens that's what this show's about. It's talking about Palace and that's a talking point. But, you know, I, that's why that's why I think it's, it's always a difficult thing when we start talking about, well, who to come in, because that's that's a different step. Questioning whether someone should remain, remain in the job is one thing, but saying who should come in and replace them is just a bit, it's a bit final for me. You know, maybe I'm chickening out. That's uh, that's my justification for it. I don't know. Uh, I want to talk about something a bit more positive now, and that is our equalising goal. So another another assist for Zaha. Uh, and really, what I want to talk about here is is the promise of showing that, that Wickham has shown that he can play with Benteke, and it wasn't a straightforward four four two. He was playing more off Benteke, and I really, really liked the look of it. Um, I think the the way we played in the second half, and, and on this, it wasn't just a reaction at half-time this time. I think we played pretty well in the first half, but we moved up a gear in the second half. I thought the movement was good. I think Punch did really well when he was moved out wide. Uh, playing left, you know, usually he's, he's on the right cutting in onto his left foot, but playing left, he looked pretty decent. Uh Dribbled past a fair few players, you know, at one stage. Was looking looking in top form. You know, Kabai was very, very strong with MacArthur when there was less in the midfield. The two of them together played very, very well. Uh, and like I say, Wickham just working around Benteke just gave something else. And it was a great finish for the goal. It really was. OK, might have got a little bit fortunate and he's drilled it fairly close to the keeper. But the power was there. The touch before it to take it away after Zaha's picked him out. Um, was was an excellent one. He's, he's just sort of chopped down on it to get it past the defender and have the shot. Great stuff. A lot of confidence there. Um, and he's trying to play his way into a regular place. And I think that's, for me, that's that's possibly where we got to go with this now. I think 4-4-1-1, and I think someone, 
you know, and if you're talking about form, it's the man who went off. It's Townsend at the moment, which is weird considering he's playing for England. But he's he's the one who probably misses out right now. Uh, that's what I think. Tim, you get a chance to respond first. Yeah, I mean, I think Lucy said it earlier, actually, that Connor had a point to prove when he came on, and he certainly showed it. Um, he looked very mobile, very strong. Um, he was holding the ball up well, and, and when Light Zaha released him, you know, got into a great position. Um, like you say, he's hit it low and hard, and uh, it's gone in the back of the net. I mean, just one thing to add to that as well, it was a great defensive clearance from Joe Ward just before that as well. Um, cause it, it looked like it was going to go, like, 2-0 when Aguero got it past Hennessy um, and then Ward just sort of got to the got to the ball first and then we broke away. Um, and I did think at that point, could this be our turning point? But, you know, obviously not quite to be. Not quite to be, but you're absolutely right to pick out Ward's goal line clearance. It was a key moment. And it would have been really, really harsh for us to go 2-0 down at that point. But again, this is, you know, this was the encouraging part, you know, and see, do, do you see a future for that, Patrick, of four four one one? Could that work? Could that be Pardew's way out of this, this run? It definitely could be, but my concern would be the work rate that both Kabai and McArthur have to put in now because we're losing midfield in the middle, and I think yesterday were both phenomenal in the middle, working as far as defensively, but that requires a lot more work, and it has, also for me, depends, they have to sit more, and rely on Wickham supporting Benteke, and obviously uh, Wilf and Pancho providing the service. It could work, but again, I'll, I'll go back. I'm not sure that scoring goals and attacking is really our issue. I think it's more the defensive side. We can't address that now, so maybe a 4-4-1-1 works, and we go from there. And, uh, you know, it puts us maybe... Cause we have, I think we did a stat. We haven't gone ahead in a game all season or one or two games. So I think if we go ahead, maybe we get more confidence. That might actually help us. So, yeah, why not? Is there a uh, case, Lucy, to, do you think, to say that Wickham actually coming off the bench makes it more effective because he's he's got a couple of goals this season off the back of that. Yeah, potentially. Although I would like to see him starting in a four-four-two position. I think that he was fantastic yesterday, and, and I, I don't understand why he's not starting. But yeah, it could be the whole super sub thing that might actually give him the boost because, like I said, he, he's wanting to prove something. Um, but it's really hard and. This is why none of us are football managers, and this is probably why Pardew's getting so much stick because it is so hard to work out what is best. Because one game you do this and you're fantastic, the next game you sort of do similar and you 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 rubbish. So it's it's really hard to call it, but I would like to see us move into a, a four four two formation. It is a, yeah. it, you're right. It's an unforgiving job. It really is. But there we go. Um, no, it is a shame. Uh, go on, Tim, you want to jump back in? I was just um, just in a tweet from my mate Rob, actually, and he's been badging me about this. So I thought best mention it. Do you think we could get away with playing three at the back? Oh, is your Rob, mate Rob related to gel? <laughs> 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 um, we've, we've, I think we've talked about, I've said this before, uh, a guy called uh, Martin Walsh, who's um, he's some, uh, a qualified coach and all that kind of stuff. He, he sent me a, a really great um, message regarding the use of 3-5-2. And, and he, he was very good, very good analysis of the formation as a whole. But he quite, and I was really glad to read it because he very, very dis, you know, succinctly pointed out why it can't work for us with the players that we have. That it requires a real mobility in the two yeah, centre-back side, side of the side uh, of the wide players and, and also, yeah, centre-back sort of either side of the, of the middle one. But yes, yeah. particularly who, if you go 3-5-2, but if you don't, account for the well if you're asking Wilf to be a, a wing back or Townsend to be a wing back 
punch to be a wing back. You right. really are. You're really asking for trouble. I think if you look at the fact that, as you said, Patrick, we're not really struggling in terms of creating the chances. We're not. I think there's a danger we would with that formation. But having said that, that there's some merits to it as a formation because we certainly looked at it. We looked at it pre-season to see if it could work. And some teams are making it work. So, But I, I just feel different personnel. Can I just jump in there, Chris? Yeah. Um, okay. one, um, I think 4-4-2. Lucy, I'm supposed to be the old one on the station, but everybody slates me for going suggesting 4-4-2, so I completely agree with you. Uh, and somebody in the chat room, Chris, has just said, actually, Mr Hambo, we're already playing three at the back. Quite harsh, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Rather amusing, though. <laughs> He's uh, suggesting that Martin Kelly's not quite a... <laughs> Sorry, I, I shouldn't Martin bring Kelly, that. Though, does he? He yeah, could be talking about Joel Ward. You're right, he could be. You're right, could be right. But I think I know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. You're so wrong, Mo. Me and Lisa were arguing about Martin Kelly after the game yesterday. You're an idiot. No, you are. No, you are. It's good. We tried to keep that off air, but we haven't quite managed it. Idiot. Still an idiot. We're an idiot. I'm telling my mum you. No, you. No, you. Your mum's going to agree with me. I know she's. No bacon sandwiches for you. Anyway, (laughs) let's keep this off air. Um, so that was look. That was a positive. I think we I think we played really well. We did well to score that goal. Lots of good good reasons to be optimistic at that point. And unfortunately, a variety of things happened to sort of to, to, to you know to end, us ended up losing the game. And we got so close to getting it back with punch right at the end. But let's let's have a look at goal number number three of the match. Two for Man City. We, we were under a bit of pressure and it, and it followed a sort of spell of refereeing that I found quite frustrating. I thought Bobby Madley was largely okay for a lot of the game, but uh, I think he got riled by Palace. I think once, you know, Zabaleta was, was complaining a lot, and it seems quite rightly so for the trip that Punchin did on him uh, that I saw after on the highlights. Didn't quite realise that had happened, but... You know, the Man City players were, there was a lot of falling onto the floor, rolling around, time-wasting, that kind of stuff. And I could see the Palace players getting really frustrated and really going into the ref. And it just looked to me, I might be wrong, but it looked to me that the referee got to a point where he just thought, I've had enough. I've had enough of this, of this whinging and moaning and all that kind of stuff. And he just, he seemed like he couldn't wait to give a free kick against us. And I point to the booking of Connor Wickham as a, res- as a sort of example of how exasperated the referee was. Because Wickham hadn't really done anything wrong. He hadn't been on the pitch particularly long. And it was 50-50 as to whether or not the challenge he made was actually a foul. Uh, but immediately the ref went for the yellow card and it, you know, and started pointing like Wickham had given a load of fouls away all over the pitch. Now, he hadn't. You know, he'd, he'd charged, the worst that he did was try and charge the keeper down and his foot was really high when he did it. So right. and I, and I worried at that point, but he wasn't penalised. Obviously, he was trying to block a clearance. So... Uh, Patrick, you'd have probably watched the game. You'd have watched the game uh, online, well, on, on TV, basically. So you'd have probably seen the Wickham booking better than I will. Am I being unfair? No, I, I think it was. No, I, I, I agree. But you know, there's a stat: we haven't won a Premier League game with Bobby Madley as our as a referee. I think oh, Terence mentioned it on the previous show. Is he the new Clattenburg? Well, no one's a new Clattenburg. But no, you, you, no, you're right, Chris. I mean, I thought harsh. And again, I, I, I think Connor was put, put Connor when he comes on always does. That. He puts himself about a lot. You know, he's very physical, which I love about him. And so I think that was it was very harsh. Um, but Chris, you know, uh, are you going to go on to the to the to the yeah. goal? 
Yeah, yeah because you what, what frustrates me about the goal is that on the 73rd minute, they had they did the exact same thing, Chris. Um, yeah. De Bruyne puts a low corner kick. We cleared it. But you've got, you've got to realise that teams tend to do things similarly or you have to kind of, as a, as a coach, whatever you tell people to kind of be aware. So on our goal, and I, and I tweeted this out, Hennessy is pointing to someone to go to the near post because he knows right. what's going to happen. He knows it's going to happen and no one does it. But I think someone said that Wickham was going to do it or Chongy was, but Wickham was talked to by the bench. He couldn't get there in time. Ball comes across and how do you let a ball go across a six-yard box and score? It's ridiculous. Now, when I originally saw it, I thought, oh my God, what is Hennessy doing? But Hennessy actually did a good job. He was actually trying to come out and get it while he's always on his knees. But yeah. we can't, you can't defend like that in the Premier League. You just cannot defend like that. It was so frustrating to have that after they did the same thing 10 minutes earlier and not, and not defend it properly. It was schoolboy. No, you're absolutely right. You've, you've basically negated the point of any of my notes. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, that, in terms of organisation, yeah, so it's poor. unforgivable. And, 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 you know, again, I'm sure some of us are favourable to varying levels. It's, you, you keep it, you, you do what your keeper tells you. You know, right. if people want right. someone on the post, you go on the post, even if you're like, I've got to mark this guy. Well, right. whatever the keeper says, you know, you, you go on your post. And, and but but I don't know, you know, what Hennessy looked like you say he looked like he was to blame, but he is absolved of any blame it's at all. Absolutely, he was because he's switched on. I he's really the one. Yeah, he's the one trying to manage the game. Yeah. He's the one trying to be switched on. Saying, look, guys, they had a real chance before, so get someone here. And I didn't realise when I when I saw it on the game, I actually thought it had gone in at the near post. I was so confused and <laughs> yeah. angry about it, I couldn't really see how how Torre put it in. The fact that it was slowly passed through the centre of the goal has enraged me even more since I've yeah. seen it. And it's oh, there you go. It's it was a hard one to take, and you know, I mean, there's not too much more we can say. We've talked about the the defence. We've talked about the analysis of of how the back line's performing. That sums it up. And that's where the manager gets the stick he gets because it's that attempt. It's it's not a difficult thing to set yourself up properly for a set piece. But I mean, I mean the basic stuff. You could be beaten by people being clever. You could be beaten by you know an unlucky bounce or a strange deflection. But to not do the basic things of organising yourself, particularly when your keeper's telling you what to do, unforgivable. But you know what, Chris? I I, I like to throw this out to everybody. Don't you think we lack leadership on the field right now? And I really like Scott Dan as a player, but I've always said that he's a very quiet leader. He's one of the players. There are players on the field that would just lead by example. They don't mm. have to yell and scream. And that's what I think Dan is. Well, I thought we made him captain. I thought it was a bit of a mistake. But I think we were just lacking leadership. We don't have a leadership leader on that field. You, you know, we're not, you know, when Bernanda in there, he talks a lot more. Hennessy, I'm not, again, I'm not criticizing Hennessy. He was fine yesterday. But he's quiet as goalies go. And I just, across the field, we don't have anybody that really gets there and grabs you by the throat and kind of points and does that stuff we you need that punch did it does it every once in a while but he's a midfielder but we lack leadership and it's it's really apparent when things like that happen yeah no i agree i totally agree with that that's go on loose jump in well i, I was you know you must have been reading my mind patrick because i was thinking the same there is there is no leadership and as fantastic as scott dan is um like you say he is very quiet he's very unassuming and I know you're all probably going to roll your eyes, but the one person that does command as a leader, and that's Damo. Oh, I agree with that. He, agree with that. He, he continually, when he's on the pitch, he's shouting at the guys in front of him. He's telling people where to go. He's talking to whoever's in goal. And and that and that's why I'm, I am slightly disappointed that Damo has been dropped. Yes, he hasn't been as good as he has, has been previously, but he, I mean... He has been fantastic for us previously, 
And I think it might be a chance. And that's why I was surprised he wasn't brought on yesterday because I thought he might have been subbed on. But he he is a natural leader. And I think that the team do look to him when he is on. And we're certainly... Um, we're certainly lacking in that kind of mentality and that's yeah. why I think we need somebody like him. You know, I completely agree, Lucy, and that's that's one of the challenges of, of losing someone like Damo. And the only reason he's he's being dropped is because, you know, mistakes that he never used to make started to creep into his game. Yeah. Whether or not that is finally age catching up with him, you don't know. There's not too many players that play, uh, you know, his age to the level that he's been playing at. He's done extremely well. I, I don't want to call him old because he's younger than I am, but, <laughs> you know, he's, you know, for, for a footballer to be playing yeah. at the top level, it's, you know, he is, whatever you, you say, he's going to have he's had winter, some impact. The winter of his career. Exactly, yeah. So, but, but you have to replace what, what else he brings and you could be damn sure that, that there would have been someone on that post if he was out there, I reckon. I could, yeah. well, I, I'd bet, my, bet money on it. I really would. But Yeah, I agree. But there you go. Look, it's it's fine, fine lines. But the problem is, you well, I say the problem is the thing we've got to have is we've got to have we've got to learn from these things. You know, you don't ever you don't ever want to see that again. A keeper asking for someone to go to a post when and, and no one responding. You don't ever want to see that happen again. It shouldn't happen at Premier League level in a match like you know Palace v Man City when it's one one and we're trying to see a game out. And you talk about the substitution as well when the demo should have come. I think a lot of people scratch their heads at, at, at you know with Lee coming on for Benteke. You know, I, 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 I was thinking at the very least Flamini, Flamini, however you want to pronounce it. Do you know, Flamini. you know that's Flamini. That's that, you know an experienced head. That's what he's brought in there for. Adds an extra body in midfield, but in a pro, you know properly shielding the defence, that kind of thing. Mm. Uh, I, I you know I appreciate that you know a striker's coming off, but if you're going to take Menteke off, he might have had a knock. Not sure, but if you're going to take him off and bring someone else on, it's a defensive substitution. Why not do it properly? You know, again, benefit of hindsight and all that. Tim. Well, I mean, on that Benteke thing, I just thought at the time when he was coming off, I thought you know it's a really brave kind of substitution because you know if this doesn't work out, it's going to look pretty bad on Pardew. And then, sure enough, a minute later. Um, it's 2-1 and um, you know where's the man that's going to score the goal to get us back in the game Um, I just feel with a player like Benteke he didn't have his best game yesterday but he was always capable of scoring a goal you know get the ball in the box in the last couple of minutes Um, he's the man you want on the end of it so I was a bit disappointed by that I was kind of I felt City weren't at their best yesterday and I felt it was an opportunity to actually kind of go for it rather than sit back Um, don't know if you agree with that Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and it, I didn't expect it to be like that, you know. So again, it's his hindsight that, that sort of really shows that it was an opportunity to get something from a very, very good team. And look, I'm full of praise for the team. I'm full of praise for the manager after yesterday. It didn't. I didn't walk away from that game feeling that we'd let ourselves down, other than for, for like two moments. Uh, and that's why it's all the more frustrating. I, I genuinely thought that the game plan we went out with, the uh, you know the performances of, of a lot of the players was just were good. They weren't, they don't show you a, a, a manager who's lost the dressing room. And more importantly, they we didn't look like a team that's just won five games in 34. We didn't. And, and you've got to credit the manager for that, for, for still having, you know, the, the confidence of his players to produce a performance like that. But it's a results game and the fans are going to be restless. 
And I don't like to see fans squabbling the way they are. There's some people being really very ridiculous. And I, I mean, at both extremes of the argument, people, you know, being very, very, very angry about Pardew and, and some people being very angry at people for being angry about Pardew. <laughs> and it's like, come on, just get a grip. You know, you can't defend blindly defend an appalling record and say it isn't that bad it is that bad it really is that bad but at the same time yes you can look at the performances and say actually you know we have been a bit unlucky we have done really well and 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 it does show that the the players still have some faith in the manager as well but those they can't go on it cannot go on and you look at the home run we've got and you look at the the the, you know the, the fixtures we've got coming up it's a difficult period. It really is. Um, and it's going to take a brave board to stick with a manager through that. And if they do, you know, and again, you point to the point to the example of Newcastle. We laughed at Newcastle getting relegated after ditching Pardew. We really did. But, you know, and are we going to, if we, if we ditch Pardew, are we sure that what we do is going to improve matters? You know, Newcastle went out and got, you know, well, mate, they made the wrong choices. If we go out and make the wrong choice and replace Pardew, and we go down, are we any better than the people we laughed at? No, we're not. So it is difficult. The last thing I do want to talk about on the, sh- on the show, I know we're overrunning a little bit and the producer's going to be really angry with me, but it, we've talked about it a, a little bit so we don't have to dwell too much. But it relates to Pardew's comments um, in, in the press afterwards. And in particular, his comments about, he used the phrase huge improvements uh, in the context of possession and chances created. Um and it, it worries me. I'll be completely honest with you guys. It, it, re, it really worries me because that that doesn't win you games. Okay? Leicester won the league not giving a monkeys about possession. Chances yeah. created, yeah. But you can win a league without having with not having the ball that much. You know, and you but you could certainly be relegated with having a good possession stat. Um, and that worries me because your focus shouldn't be on looking at stats at the end of the game and go, good, good, keeping the ball more, keeping the ball more and uh, creating a lot of chances. Didn't put enough of them away to win the game and also conceded a load uh, with sort of calamity defending that needed circus music playing behind it. But, you know, great, great. We have got our possession stats up. Go on, Tim. Well, just yesterday we had the possession, but the amount of times that we had the ball and then we just paid that pass that was just that little bit too long or just behind someone, um, particularly Townsend, to be honest. Um, and I just think, you know, it's all well, very well having the possession, but we've got to be cuter with the ball, really, and get into those positions. Yeah, maybe that'll come as, as you know, as we, we continue to play this style, but but it is a worry. Uh, go on, Nick. But we didn't. The stats that I'm looking at don't bear out what he's talking about. He's talking absolute total cobblers. Uh, possession that I'm looking at yesterday, Man City had 62% and Palace had 38%. Yeah, I think Shots right. on- overall, but yeah, okay. Yeah. Shots, we had, uh, City had 10, uh, we had eight. And on target, they had four and we had two. So, I don't think he's talking, he's, he's, not, he's not making any sense. I, I think so, he's talking from season to season. I think he's comparing last year's with well, this year. We've, got, so we've gone up from 35% last year to 38% this year. You know, yeah, is, yeah, so the, the, argue, the argument is, is it working? Patrick? Yeah, I was just going to say what... Uh, what Nick said, and I even looked at the accuracy. Halftime accuracy was fifty-seven percent. So, um, it, right, fifty-seven percent at halftime it was, and they had seventy-three percent. So it's not like you know we had possession of the ball and we were using it properly. Neither one. But again, I, that's that. Like you said, Chris, that's, the only statistic that matters are the goals scored and goals conceded. It really does, and the points that you accumulate. Because I'd like to see 
the stats in our favor. But you're right. Leicester's the perfect example. Playing that way that they played, it worked for them. They didn't care about how much they had the ball. They cared about what they did when they had it and scoring goals. That's what we need to focus in on. Defending better will lead to results, which will lead to him being able to change the style. But not getting results is not the way to go. Yeah, look, I do. I going back to what Nick said, and I've been saying in the last few weeks is I want, I do want this. I really do, and maybe this is us just having a real hard time dealing with this. Uh, you know, the, the change in how we're playing. Maybe the, you know, there, there is light at the end of the tunnel, and we just can't see it. And, and maybe Pardew's right, and we're wrong. You know, I, you have to allow for that possibility, but it's. You know, when you, as, as you've said, Patrick, when you go into a game and you have no confidence that you're even going to get near keeping a clean sheet, it really does begin to worry. You know, it's not like we're going to score seven or eight goals a game. You know, we, we've shown we can score pretty much every match, which right. is nice. But we, we've really shown we haven't, we can't score enough to win a, with the majority of games. It, I don't know. I don't. I don't know where we go from here. I, I understand that Pardew will be using that is, is saying that the reason he's saying that is because he's saying look it's working the transition is working we are getting the ball more we're creating more chances we're scoring goals because last year we had a terrible run because we couldn't score goals we were losing games by the odd goal here and there despite being really good but we just couldn't do that thing of scoring a goal we've now solved that problem but as you know when whatever you you create a new problem by solving another one sometimes and that's always that's always the the sort of the trade-off if you like take go back to Dougie again so you know Dougie had this system where he knew he could keep things tight and we could we could keep the ball and you know we had the two defensive midfielders sitting there but it took until you know an intervention really until someone just said look that's not enough that's not good enough anymore we've got to have more going forward for us to kind of free ourselves up but it did make us weaker at the back but there is, and again, you know, the trade-off with, with Tony Pulis, the trade-off was you're not really going to enjoy watching us. You might enjoy a result here and there, but, you know, you're going to have to put up with long periods of watching the opposition have the ball. Uh, you know, and our, and our trade-off for having this different style, our trade-off at the moment is not having any hope of keeping a clean sheet. <sighs> I should sigh at the end of my, uh, my speech, but... Uh, there you go. I think uh, oh, we've had a few bits of contact. Anything you want to round up in the chat room, Nick, before we go? Yeah, but a lot of them have just been saying um, exactly what we've been saying. Uh, it was we were lost. We lost it yesterday because of Townsend and Kelly. Um, our next three home games will decide uh, Pardew's future. We've got. I think we've got to look towards Holland, Swansea for six. Um, and I won't tell you what J Dog three said, but something about the transition. It, we don't want it if he's going to relegate us. Thank you for your input in the chat room this evening, guys. Excellent stuff. Okay, last little bit of contact will be, as ever, the four word reviews. <laughs> Nads, Pardew is tactically inept. Ben, someone get Pardew's coat. Jason Baster, Swansea, win or bust. Rick Chambers, scoring goals, defensively inept. Steve Stevenson, who is real person, I didn't make him up. We didn't win again. Ben Long, next three games crucial. Stuart James, players not fit enough. Zulu Oscar Romeo, no Zulu Echo Romeo Oscar, not bloody good enough. Dom Fay, 
Why take Benteke off? My mate Quentin Soldan, end of my tether. Daniel Babington Brown, they even played Yaya. Carl Savage, Alan Pardew must go. Up Carbardera, Yaya Torre, no no palace. Glenn Fossey, schoolboy goals conceded again. John Ellicott, same old overreactions. Nathan Giles, Papa, we miss you. Thank you very, very much for listening this week. Thank you all to my panel, uh, to the production team, of course, of Mikey and Tom this week it was. Uh, cheers, guys. Uh, also, thank you to Fanjul for sponsoring us. Do get involved in that. Uh, Fanjul.com. Get yourself signed up. Uh, and, of course, we'll be back for the preview show during the week. That should hit your uh, hit your podcast apps around Thursday morning, I guess. And uh, we'll obviously be back to review the next game next Sunday. Thank you very much indeed. See you later. Homesdale Radio, sponsored by FanDuel.co.uk. The next generation of fantasy football. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. And we're here with additional content, as always. And as promised, we will be finishing with the reveal of our reverse words game from the introduction. But uh, first of all, uh, a talking point we didn't get to in the show. As the show was a bit extended this week uh, through my lack of timekeeping, uh, the fifth talking point will be a quick one. Uh, but it's man of the match. Who do we think was best on the Palace side? Lucy, give us your player first. Um, well, it was a tough choice. It was t- it was a, t- a choice between uh, Connor Wickham and Johan Kabai, but because of um, his similar, like recent resurgence of coming back to the Johan that we love, um, I-, I would go with Kabai because he was just fantastic yesterday. He was absolutely everywhere. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Uh, so, Lucy's pick goodbye. Tim, who are you going for? Uh, I'm going for Jason Punchin, I think. Um, I thought he, he held the ball quite well and um, he set up quite a few of our attacks. Um, there was that great chance of Benteke with that header. Uh, we got to the byline and put it in and then the keeper made a great save. Um, so, yeah, I'm going for Punchin. Okay, Nick, who are you thinking? Martin Kelly. <laughs> no, okay, no. In all, serious, in all seriousness, uh, Zaha, in a pile of crap that we've been dished up to recently, he's the only one regularly, regularly as clockwork, come up smelling your roses. So for me, Zaha. Mr. O'Connor. Do I have to? Yeah, come on, mate. Come on. I want to see you, want to see you to sound happy. I hate it when you sound sad. Yeah, and I'm very sad, lady. Um, actually, I like the the... Despite my bias, and I'll and I'll say it with your anchor, but I did play well yesterday. That's it. My last words of him: be nice to him. Good man, good man. I to hear it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I've looked at the BBS poll. Fifty point nine eight percent Kabai got. So quite quite far in the majority. The closest was Punchin uh, with twenty one point five seven, uh, and then Will, I was just under ten percent after that. So. I mean, I, I went with Punchin, and I, I agreed with Tim. I thought Punchin just shaded Zaha, and then Kabai followed those, but the majority going with Kabai. Very interesting. Uh, just a really quick chat on Kabai. I know you've said you're, you're as much as you're going to say, Patrick. <laughs> uh, but Lucy's starting to get to some degree of form, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, that's good. That's good. Right. Right. See you later, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, he's, uh, you know, I, I'm going to carry that on. It, it just, I mentioned it a few few weeks ago, and he, he talked about getting back to match fitness. He, he's looking close now, uh, but whether or not he can uh, he can have, operate as a two in midfield with McArthur, they did well, did well to uh, yesterday. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's a difficult one. But I'm, got I'm happy. Got a stupid to... haircut though, isn't he? He looks no. really has. Yeah. Uh, no. Oh, you like it? Okay. Well, he's about 40 years old. He's trying to make himself look as though he's in a boy band. What's it? Hey, come on, mate. He's what, 30, isn't he? 40 years old. Wow. 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 What happened there? The dyed blonde look is in, guys. The dyed blonde look is yeah, but in. Yeah, but mine's natural, though. Didn't you not see mine yesterday? My silver flecks. Salt and pepper hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to do mine blonde, I think. <laughs> you should dye your beard. Bleach, bleach your beard. Bleach my beard, yeah. Maybe. Do any of you know Chip? Um, a guy who's from the Addington area. He's always in the Arthur. Uh, he's a big chap, okay? A very big guy. He's got this goatee beard and it's dyed red and blue. Oh, wow. And he really does. Bless him. Wow. Hello, Chip, if you're listening. Yeah. Chip, I don't have anything to say to you if, if you're listening. <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> Anyway, that's enough. That's enough. That was our fifth talking point. I think you could tell we're kind of kind of done with this for the day. But before we go, oh, it's going to be so much fun. So in the introduction, of course, we mimicked uh, Mikey's uh, clip saying, of course, a phrase in reverse. We tried to make that same sound. And now Mikey's going to play it back to us to see how well we did. So first of all, we're going to hear the clip and then we're going to hear Nick's attempt or something. Is logs nick snanyol? Right, what? Which one was forwards? <laughs> so, uh, I'm not sure what the sentence was. Uh, your played forward bit, Nick, was equally as unintelligible as your attempt at saying it in reverse. Well, most of what I say is un- unintelligible, isn't it? That's fine. Uh, congratulations there, mate. <laughs> uh, I think you're safe to say you haven't won. Uh, let's go to Lucy. Let's see how Lucy did. So we'll hear Lucy speaking in reverse, first of all, or trying to mimic in reverse, and then we'll see what it sounds like played the supposed right way round. It's Lobsnake's Daniel. <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> That, that last bit is. Any, anyone got any idea what that's supposed to supposed to be yet? Not a clue. Mind you, we call... Mind forwards again. Who likes to Swansea? Something Swansea. Yes, we're going to beat Swansea or something. Something has got to be something Ooh. like that. Well, let's hear how I did. We'll manage to beat Swansea. We'll manage to beat Swansea. Or still on the air. Two or minutes. Palace beats Swansea, something like that. I tell you what, let's see how Tim did. Last of all, it's not Skip Samuel. <laughs> or you must beat Swansea. Excellent. Beat Swansea. Excellent. Swansea. We bought you for sa- just saying English words for. <laughs> <laughs> We're not Skip Samuel, but it actually was. That is amazing. Well, well, I see? hope you. I Thank hope you. That is that is impressive. That is good stuff. 
hope you all enjoyed that. I thought well, that went much better than I thought. <laughs> I was scared when I heard Nick and Lucas' attempts. Like, oh, <laughs> it's just going to be completely, completely unintelligible. But there you go. Well, that's a fun game. We'll probably play that again soon. Thanks for downloading and make sure you download the preview show in midweek. And of course, download us again next week. Or listen live. Cheerio. Bye. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.